the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Last week we left off in chapter 13 of the book of Romans at verse 7. And today I'm going to ambitiously seek to complete chapter 13. So we're going to look at verses 8 through 14. And Paul has been teaching us through chapter 12 and on through where we are today how the new creation is to live in this world. How the new creation seeds and interacts with this world. Last week, we talked about how the new creation relates to government, the government of this world and people in authority over us. And today, we're going to look at how we are to relate to our neighbor, our fellow man, which encompasses all relationships, not just fellow Christians. And I'll remind you once again that these commands aren't written to the flesh of man. Only the new creation is equipped to live in the way that the scriptures command you to live. For that matter, only the new creation could live to the Ten Commandments because Christ has fulfilled them all through his life. The new creation is what is being addressed here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is not becoming, he is a new creation altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now this fresh new life we are called to live is a new paradigm, but we're made for it. We're literally created for it. It will seem strange and unnatural to the flesh, and that is because it is a spiritual paradigm. The flesh will tell you that it's impossible, and it is for the flesh. So how do we allow the spiritual to transcend the weakness of the flesh? Well, we looked at that in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren... And beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, 
which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship, recognizing that the flesh is not you, but it is meant to be a tool, a sacrifice, an implement of the Spirit. That's what it's meant to be. So, what are we suggesting? Start living from the center of who you are and yield the body to the spirit so that you're operating like a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. If when we read these verses, you feel that you're being condemned, then you're missing the point. He is telling you how you are equipped to live as a new creation. He is saying, it's time to wake up and live out of the truth so that you can illustrate for yourselves and the world the power and the presence of Jesus in your life. Let's look at Romans chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, Keep out of debt and owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor who practices loving others, has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow men, meeting all its requirements. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, have an evil desire, and any other commandment are summed up in the single command, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. Okay, Paul is illustrating the truth using the law as a standard. Now remember, he's writing to new Christians who had very little acquaintance with Scripture. The majority of them were probably Gentiles and didn't even have an understanding of the law. And probably the only law they ever had anything to do with was Roman law. So this is going to be a new revelation. New creations... New believers, Gentiles, learning, using the Old Testament, using parts of the law, using the words of Jesus, and allowing the Spirit of God to interpret it to them. But with every revelation, particularly concerning the Word of God, with every revelation, the enemy introduces a distortion. And this is designed to somehow mar the witness of truth, to mar the image of Christ and the Christian. What Paul is telling us in the first part of verse 8 seems almost unnecessary, doesn't it? Everyone knows that debt will enslave you. And this is one of those common sense things. So why is Paul even bringing it up? Well, it has been suggested that Paul is taking to task a distortion of the Lord's Prayer that some believers had adopted. That portion that says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, had been interpreted by some to mean that a Christian could absolve himself from all financial obligation. Well, that's convenient, but unfortunately it's not truth, and it's not scriptural. I believe that Paul in this is illustrating our new paradigm in Christ by speaking to an area that just about all of his readers could relate to. We ourselves live in a debtor society. Nearly all of us carry some kind of debt unless you're extremely fortunate. That being said, we are not going to turn our focus from Jesus to debt or the condemnation of having debt. Debt is its own reward. 
we should not make it our focus. Paul is telling us that there is only one debt that we should continually carry. Only one. That is the debt of love. It is a debt we are equipped to pay. It is a debt we were born in Christ to pay. This is a command, and this command is present tense imperative, which means stop being in debt to man for anything. It's not just money. For anything other than love. That's what he's saying. We are to give this love continuously. We are obligated both by man's unending need for love and our unending supply that comes from our union with Christ. And you'll remember that God is love. 1 John 4.16 And we know, understand, recognize, or conscious of by observation and by experience and believe, adhere to, and put faith in and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God. And God dwells and continues in him. The life that flows through me as a branch is love. And I am to bear the fruit of love continuously so that all men may eat of it and know my God. In bearing this fruit, I am yielding to his life and I will know my father's love and grow in faith and confidence as a new creation. What Jesus is, is commanding, what Paul is repeating, is actually a repeat of, of something Jesus said in Matthew. What Paul is repeating is, is so much more relevant to the new creation. Because what he is saying is, let that life flow through you. If you allow that life to flow through you, you will experience that life. You will grow in faith and you will minister that life. In the same way that, that I brought this up many times, that, that we are commanded as husbands to love our wives. Why? Because our wives need love? No. Though that's part of it. It means, in essence, that we are to love our wives in order for us to experience that love. If you're not experiencing love in your marriage, men, it's because you're not loving your wife, regardless of how she behaves. This is what he's talking about when he says, love your neighbor. He says, love everybody. Use every excuse. Use every opportunity to allow that life to flow through you continuously because it's only through the outflow of that life that you experience truth. We live this life By what? Faith. This is not something the flesh is capable of. The flesh is not equipped to do this. He is commanding us to do something that only the new creation can do because we have union life. That's why we can do it. Now, if you look at verse 9, every commandment that deals with our relationship with our fellow man is kept and fulfilled through the life and love of Christ flowing through me. Look at that. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. 
You shall not covet, have an evil desire. Every commandment that is given towards our relationship towards one another is fulfilled in the command to love because the command to love is allowing that life that has met every demand of law, that is the standard of law itself, to flow through you. We are to live in that truth continuously. We are to give this love continuously. Also notice that these commands that deal principally with the flesh are kept and fulfilled when the flesh is a living sacrifice. It brings us back to chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1, where we started, where it says, yield yourselves. We're going to talk about this a lot tonight. It literally means to yield this flesh that will otherwise be an obstacle to the outflowing of the truth of who you are in obedience to the truth of who you are in order that it might be a yielded expression of your union life. Now the love Paul is writing about is actually agape love or divine love. And you know a divine love, agape love only has one source. That's God. Again, the flesh is incapable of this love. It is unique to those who possess his life. Now, the premise here is that Christ fulfilled and is keeping the law by his life in you. You are no longer subject to the law because Christ is the standard and Christ is your life. Romans 10.4 For Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. For the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its types, and in him the purpose which it is designed to accomplish is fulfilled. That is, the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him as the means of righteousness, right relationship to God for everyone who trusts in and adheres to and relies on him. We are made righteous. We have fulfilled the law through the life of Christ in us. Look at verses 10 and 11. Verse 10, love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what a critical hour this is. How it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep, rouse to reality. For salvation, final deliverance is nearer to us now than it was than when we first believed, adhered to, trusted in, relied on Christ, the Messiah. Now, verse 10 tells us that this new life that is ours meets all the requirements of fulfilling the law. Notice it is agape love again. It is agape love that does this. It is the natural expression of Christ through the yielded body of the believer that we need to live to continually. Now what Paul reminds us of in verse 11 is that we are not going to be living this way forever. Christ is returning. Paul lived in this expectation. He lived in the expectation of the return of Christ. and He was not wrong for doing this. It was part of how the early church functioned. They literally lived in a passionate expectation of Christ's return. It made the time precious. His delight was in Christ above all else, and that is how every moment should be lived. Why? 
Because it causes us to live in the reality of our spiritual life, in the passion of our relationship with Christ. We are to live every day with a joy, a hope regarding his return. It reminds us that this world is not our home. It reminds us that this flesh is not who we are. Some tell us we need to hurry up and win the world for Christ. The truth is, Christians, we just need to wake up to the truth of who we are, that the world might be one for Christ. Paul says it's time to wake up. It's time to own the truth, to live the way we were made to live. It's time to see our bodies as implements of righteousness that are wielded by our union lives. It is time to quit allowing ourselves to be conformed to the appetites and passions of this world. It's time to live in and through love. It is time to quit living like your body is your reality. As I said earlier, the early church made the coming of the Lord an emphasis They refused to put hope in this world or in the flesh. They lived in the reality of these things. They lived in the reality of his return. Whenever uh, I would travel, you know, would carry a lot of bags and whatnot, I would bring the bags into the hotel room. But if I wasn't staying more than two days, I did not unpack all the bags because I had an expectation of leaving. I did not go around trying to form some kind of identity with that hotel. I didn't try to put my post office box out front. I did not have my mail directed there. It did not become my home because I knew I was leaving. This is the idea that's being brought out here. He is saying, you know what, guys? It's time that you wake up and begin to live to the truth of how God has created you as a new creation. It's time that you quit living to the flesh, which is temporal, and seeing the flesh and this world as your reality. It's time that you take this limited opportunity of faith to live out the truth through a yielded body. This is the only time that you will have in order to know him by faith to the degree that you are knowing him now. Paul looked at it as a splendid opportunity. He said, I'm torn betwixt the two because he was living a yielded life. And I am experiencing the fruit and the riches of faith. Knowing him in faith is greater than just seeing him in person. Why? Because knowing him in faith is me literally giving everything and setting everything aside to put my focus on him. You know, the disciples had him in person, yet they were constantly distracted by the things around them what other people were doing, what other people were saying, whether or not their bodies would be inflicted with punishment or or persecution, whether or not they would have enough to eat. It's a life by faith that we live, that, that Paul lived to, that says, you know what? I can literally make all of this peripheral, and I can walk in truth with him as my focus, and I can do it by faith because he has empowered me. He has put his life in me to live that way. It's high time for you to wake up. It's high time to walk in the truth. 
This sleep that he's referencing is a reference to a stupor or a lethargy that does not allow the person to live in reality. They walk about in a dreamlike state that distorts their perceptions and clouds their vision. This is actually a description of someone who lives in a worldly or fleshy way. The lost man walks about in a stupor. He walks about in almost a blindness, and the, the Bible says that he literally walks about in darkness, unable to grasp. Now, I see a lot of Christians living in lethargy. I see a lot of Christians walking about in a stupor. Why? Because their lives in this body is their context for living. Because the flesh, they have more affinity for the flesh than they do for the spirit. Because they live to this world most of the time. There's no passion in them for the things of God or even for the people of God. They're hand-fed everything they know about the Lord. They live vicariously through other people's religious experiences. They are really happy to embrace the idea that God loves them. Because they have not experienced a clear expression of their love for him. And they have not entered into the truth of his love for them. They walk around blind in a stupor, ever seeking the wisdom of God, but ever refusing the relationship. They're willing to enter into emotional experiences. But they're not willing to deny their flesh to make Jesus the priority of their life. Everything else takes precedent. God is in the periphery of their living. But he's in their living. This slumber is a slumber of fleshly or worldly living. It's not them being dumbed by alcohol necessarily. What we need is passion. Christians need to wake up. I know I pray for the revival of my soul. That means, Lord, fill my mind, will, and emotions with a passion for you. Yes, I ask for it. I'm not asking for an emotion. I'm asking literally to be driven by his life and for his life. I ask that every day, and I pray this for my family, that every day they grow deeper in love with Jesus. Because you know what? I don't want to be satisfied with the love that I'm currently knowing and understanding. I want to grow through eternity in my love for him. And what that means for me, in order to grow in that love, I have to express that love. I have to make a determination to live out of that love. This passion is easily seen when it is awakened in the believer, in the soul of a believer. I can remember, I was just a kid, but I can remember the revivals. The altars were full, and they were all on their knees, and they would pray for hours. And, you know, as a kid, that would kind of wear you out. I'd go to sleep on a pew somewhere. But they would go on and on. There was such a passion, such a fervor. Now, the problem is that for the majority of those people, they believe that this was imposed on them by God. So, therefore, they stayed there in order to gain more passion. But the reality is that God gave them a glimpse of the truth of their hearts as children of God. Oh, that they could have embraced that and gone forward in it. Rather than running and looking for another experience, they would learn that this is the way we live. This is the truth of our lives. This is the passion of our hearts. Do you know what? Nowadays you call a prayer meeting, you don't get that kind of passion. 
You get people come in with a laundry list of what they want God to do. It's time to stop living in the context of flesh and start living in the context of spirit. Paul is saying, throw off the hypnotic state. In fact, the Greek word that he uses there is the same word we get our word hypnotized from or hypnotist. Romans 13, 12. The night is far gone and the day is almost here. Let us then drop, fling away the works and deeds of darkness and put on the full armor of light. In other words, stop living like children of the night and start allowing yourself to be seen as children of the light. Throw off the things that identify you with this world, not for the world's sake alone, but also for the affirmation of truth that it is to you. Show forth love, show forth passion for him, show forth praise, show forth thanksgiving. You know, the scriptures concerning the armor of God used to kind of frustrate me because I got to thinking about them and I thought, now wait a minute, if we're complete in Christ, what, what use do we have for all this armor? If we got Christ in us and Christ has already defeated the enemy, what is the point in us having all this armor? What, what is this armor about? But you know what? It has purpose. It's figurative. It's, it's an analogy, but it's truth. The armor of God is not just what we wear. It's who we are in Christ. He said, let us take hold of the shield of faith and the helmet of hope. Let us wear the breastplate of righteousness. You see, these things cover the flesh that is yielded. You don't want to fall to the appetites of this world. You don't want to fall to the temptations of the enemy. You don't want to fall to the things of the flesh. Then dress yourself in truth. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship, but we need to let you know that we have moved. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our new location is 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.